This morning we are in Psalm 32. It's the last of our Songs for Summer series. Uh, And so we'll be done with Psalms for a while until we get back to them again next summer. And this one, to me, is just so much fun to finish with. Because there's so much joy in this psalm. And if if you were paying attention to the words as Arthur was singing in that in the last song, you, you were noticing how wonderful this psalm is. I, I know it's a little bit tricky. I, thank you, Arthur, and to the worship team for, for doing the songs so that we can actually sing and, and hear musically the psalms this summer. But this one in particular for me, even though I couldn't sing it like Arthur could, I appreciated just hearing the lyrics and hearing it sung because there's so much joy in it. And I'm really tempted, Arthur, to make you do it again after the sermon so that everybody else can appreciate it as much. We'll see. We'll see. Uh. (laughs) But have you ever had a time that you just were so excited, so joyful, so exceedingly happy because of some kind of blessing? I'll, I'll tell you one for me, there, there was this one time I went out on a date with a girl and we were going out and I was looking for the right restaurant because the one that I thought I was going to take her to was full and we, there was a long wait. And so I was looking for something else and, and she went, well, how about that one? And I went, no, that's not nice enough. <laughs> we've got to go someplace nice. And I, I, I found, oh, it was beautiful. And I, I went in and went, oh yeah, this is the place. There's a, a live musician over there and they don't have prices on the menu. This is exactly the right place. And she went, you don't, they don't have prices on the menu. This, I, this is exactly the right place. And in this place, we're having dinner together and I pulled something out of my pocket and I did like this with it. And she went, oh, and I opened the ring and I said, would you marry me? And my wife said, yes. <laughs> Way above my pay grade, as you know. But she said, yes. And for me, there was a lot of excitement and joy in that day. Lots of it. And you have stories like that. Maybe not exactly the same, but you have things that have happened for you that, that just at some point you were exceedingly happy because of some kind of great blessing. I want to read with you now Psalm 32 and look at this great blessing. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. 
You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What a beautiful song. We, we start off in verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And we, we have this just repetition of the same thing over and over. Whose transgression is forgiven, is covered, or does not count their iniquity. How great is that? That your sin would be covered, that it would be taken away from you, that, that your uh, iniquity would not count against you. That's awesome. H- have you been in a relationship with somebody where you did something wrong and you damaged that relationship? No, I'm the only one. That does happen to me from time to time, where I do something and it damages the relationship between me and the other person. And I, I'm afraid to talk to them, because I know what I did hurt them. And I, I don't want to confront that. I don't want to be faced with the pain that I have caused them. Sometimes, in my pride, I don't want to acknowledge the wrong that I did. But when I do... And I go to them and I talk with them and that relationship is restored. Oh, there's no greater joy than that. When I go and I talk to my wife and I say, I'm really sorry I did this thing. And she says, it's okay, I forgive you. Relationship is restored. There was tension there before. There was brokenness there before, but once there is confession and forgiveness, now there's restoration and joy again. And that's what he's talking about here. He's got this sin problem. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. How blessed is that person that is treated as though they have No sin. Can you even imagine that? I can't even imagine being without sin. And yet God treats me as though I don't. How can that be? How can God take somebody who does have sin and treat them as though they don't? Well, He's really nice. He's very generous. And that's true. But there's more to it than that. You see, in Romans chapter 4, Paul quotes this. He quotes uh, from Psalm 32 in Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, where he says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. 
He quotes that. Well, what's the context there? The context there is that this is in contrast to the idea that people would work for their righteousness. Right? So in this context, he's talking about Abraham and how Abraham was not given righteousness because of the work that he did, but he was given righteousness because of God's grace to him. And so that's where this verse fits in, but that whole argument fits into a little bit larger context too. So I want to read to you a couple of excerpts from Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 5 that give us the context for this that's quoted in Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 3 it says, But now, the righteousness of God, this is uh, Romans 3 verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have that problem, but now the righteousness of God is being revealed uh, through Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, we all fall short and have sin, but are justified by His grace as a free gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom, he says, God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. That is, that Jesus was put in our place so that all of the punishment that we deserved because of our sin, Jesus took that in our place so that by faith we could uh, be righteous. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. And it was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How is it that we can say, blessed is the one whose sins are not counted against Him, Blessed is the one whose iniquity has been removed. How can we say that? It is because God is just and He's the justifier. So He sends Jesus in our place to take the punishment that we are due so that He can treat us as though we are completely righteous. Because we've been made completely righteous through faith in Jesus. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, if you skip down to Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, this is the context where he's quoting from our psalm. And to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. So the sin is removed because of our faith in Jesus being our propitiation, and we are given righteousness through faith that that's the case. To the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And then in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person would, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This whole thing is pointing toward the joy that we have. We are rejoicing in God because we have been reconciled with him through our faith in Jesus and in his sacrifice. How awesome is that? And when David is writing this psalm, he's talking about the character of God and he knows this about God. He knows that when he comes to God and he confesses his sin, he is accepted. He's accepted. And it makes all the difference. How blessed, how content, how happy, how complete is that person whose sin is not counted against them. And he makes a contrast, back in Psalm 32, he makes the contrast between how blessed is that person, who we see these three things, right? The, the three, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. It's these three things in verses uh, 1 and 2 that's all really just the one thing, but he repeats it three times. Now he has this contrast in verse 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength has dried up by the heat of summer. We've been the last couple of months experiencing some heat from summer. 100 degree days, those are not for Oregonians. <laughs> Leave those in Arizona and Texas, those people are fine with it. But here, there's a reason we live here and not there. That's hot. And you can go outside. Well, uh, we were we were outside on a couple of those really really hot days, um, because I'm an awful dad, frankly. <laughs> so we, you know, there's smoke in the air, and everybody says stay inside. And we went. We've been inside for too long. We're just going to go for a walk to the library. It's 110 degrees outside. It's only a mile. We'll make it. My five kids nearly didn't make it that mile. The heat of summer is oppressive. It just saps all the energy right out of you. And when you have tension with somebody, 
When, you, when you've done something wrong, doesn't it just sap all the energy out of you like that? You just, you just feel like your bones are wasting. Like, there's ju- I just have nothing left. There's this tension there. I hate it. When I, there's somebody that I'm a friend with or somebody that I'm in relationship with and I love this person, but I know there's something wrong between us, I hate that. I just am thinking about it all the time. My mind is, is going over and over and I, I'm, okay, how do I fix this? How can we do, get past this? And it, it makes it impossible to do other things, to be productive. It gets into other relationships. It makes me short-tempered with everybody because of this other thing over here. It just weighs on me. And David's going, that's what happened to me when I was silent about my sin, when I didn't say anything about it, it just weighed on me. And I just felt your hand, Lord, on top. It was just pressing down on me and crushing me. It was so heavy, the weight of all of this sin. And so we have this contrast between the blessing that it is to be the kind of person who God doesn't count their sin against them and who takes their sin away compared to the kind of person who doesn't want to confess their sin to God and who's, he has his hand heavy upon them. And you look at these two different types of people and you go, why would you want to be this guy? In fact, we get to this, uh, what we think is a musical term, Selah. Pause and consider that. If you were paying really close attention to the song as Arthur was, was singing it earlier, we had some Selahs in there. He didn't sing Selah or say that, but he sang and then he paused and just played his instrument for a little bit. So that you had a break, right? If I just keep talking at you and I keep bringing words at you really fast, then it's going to be really hard for you to stop and ponder and think about. Yeah, that's true for me. But when we hit these pauses and we just stop and take a quick pause and go, the contrast between the one who is blessed because their sin has not been counted against them, compared to bones wasting away day and night, the Lord's hand being heavy upon me, my strength being dried up because I was silent about my sin. Pause and think about that. Some of you may be in that kind of a place right now where it just feels to you like the hand of the Lord is heavy on you. Like the deck is stacked against you. Like things are just really hard right now. And when we are in that kind of a situation, it is a really good time to pause and reflect and ask the Lord, Is there sin in me? 
Is there sin in me that is keeping me from receiving your blessing? Is there sin in me that I am being silent about, either because I haven't recognized it yet or because I don't want to acknowledge it? Is there sin in me that I have, have let go unconfessed? When we are in this kind of a position, it is a really good time to stop and go, Lord, is this, is this a sin thing in me? We're really quick as Christians anymore to avoid that. We say things like, you know, it's not always a sin thing. Look at Job. Look at Job. Sometimes God is doing things that we just don't understand. And we go straight to martyrdom. And we go, oh, I'm being afflicted like Job was in my righteousness. Forgetting that Job was continually confessing. He was continually confessing for himself and even for his kids. God, would you forgive my kids for any sin that they may have? It's one of the the first things that we're told about who Job is. And so when we find ourselves similarly afflicted to Job or feeling like the hand of the Lord is heavy upon us, we should not first go, I must be like Job, but first go, God, is there unresolved sin in me? Is there unresolved sin in me? And then once we have done a self-examination and we have asked the Holy Spirit to reveal anything within us, then perhaps if it continues, God is doing something else. He is teaching us something else. He is doing something else at work. But the first place to go is say, Lord, am I the problem here? Is there sin in my life? For day and night your hand was upon me. My strength was dried up. As heat of summer. Verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Again, three things. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I will do it. I will do it. Why do we not do it? What is it that keeps us from having a regular practice of confessing our sin before the Lord? Why would we not do that? If blessed is the person whose iniquity is not counted against them, and if when we are silent about our sin, the hand of the Lord feels heavy upon us, why would we not just be confessing our sin all the time? I can think of a couple of reasons. The one is because in our experience, when we confess our sin, we have not received grace and forgiveness. We've received condemnation and shame. And when that has been our experience, that when I tell somebody, hey, look, I'm really sorry I did this, would you forgive me? And they go, no, that hurt. That hurt. I'm not going to forgive you for that. You deserve whatever punishment you get. When we have felt condemnation and shame every time we confess with other people, then it makes us think that maybe God is like that. 
Maybe if I confess my sin to God, I won't receive grace and forgiveness, but will instead receive condemnation and shame. And I can't stand the thought of that. And so there are some of us who, because of our experience in the past, we don't want to go to confession. Because we are afraid that God's response will be different than how David describes it. But that's what Romans is all about. Right? All those verses we read in Romans 3 and, verses, and Romans 4 and Romans 5 about the grace of God and how He loved us. And while we were still enemies, while we were still weak, God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die in our place. He is not the kind of God that when we come and confess our sin to Him, He comes with anger and judgment. He is the kind of God that when we come and repent and confess our sin to Him, that He responds with love and embraces us as a lost child who has come home. That's the kind of God we serve. That's why David says, how blessed is that person who when having confessed his sin is received by you and reconciled with you. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The character of God is such that if we say we don't have sin, if we are silent about our sin, it doesn't work out well for us. The hand of the Lord is heavy upon us. We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us when we refuse to acknowledge our sin. But when we do confess our sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If your fear in confessing your sin to God is that He will respond with condemnation and judgment rather than grace and love, let me tell you that the character of God is such that that will not be the case. The character of God is such that He will respond with grace and love when we are faithful to confess our sins. The second reason that I think that people don't want to confess their sin is because they recognize that if they confess it, they also have to repent of it. It's a really hard thing to do. It's a one thing to want to confess your sin and to acknowledge it and to say, I did it. It's another thing to say, I have done it and I am turning away from it. I'm not only confessing it and saying it and acknowledging it, but I am also repenting of it, turning away from it to do something different instead. Some of us would like for confession to work like this. I go into God in prayer and I say, God, would you forgive my sin? And then we continue in it. God, I said some really harsh words. Would you forgive me for saying those really harsh words? And now I'm going to go out and say some more harsh words. 
God, would you forgive me of my pride and my jealousy so that I can feel better about myself when I continue to have pride and jealousy, knowing that you've already forgiven me for it? It doesn't work like that. When we confess our sins, we are acknowledging it is sin and God does not like sin. It is not somehow that God suddenly becomes cool with sin because we confessed it. That's not it. And so recognizing that to confess it and acknowledge it before God would also mean to turn from it and no longer pursue it. Some of us don't want to do that. We mistakenly think that it is better for us or we will be happier or more satisfied or more complete or something if we hang on to the sin rather than if we let go to the sin so that we can hang on to reconciliation with God. But do you remember the contrasts? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the one who sin is removed from them. Compared to when I was silent about my sin, it felt as though the hand of the Lord was pressing down on me, was heavy on me. It was weighing me down in all of my other relationships. I felt like I had no energy for life because my sin was weighing on me so much. And yet we have... We find ourselves at times being weighed down with no energy for life going, but at least I've got my sin. At least I can be happy for a moment in this. And he's going, no. Confess your sin. Acknowledge it. Turn away from it because when you do, you have the blessing of the Lord. Verse 6, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the, great ru- in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Let everybody come to the Lord. Let everybody uh, pray to the Lord at a time when he may be found. Which begs the question, is there a time that the Lord may not be found? Is there a time when the Lord would not hear you? And yes, there, there is. The Lord is always available to you when you are coming to repent and to confess your sin. But when you are not coming to repent and confess your sin, then the ear of the Lord is turned off. Like when I do something to a friend, we have tension in our relationship. We both know it. We both know that we need to address this issue, but instead I come and I want to talk about something else instead. I don't want to talk about that. We have to deal with this elephant. We have an elephant in our relationship. We have to address this. Why are you talking about this other thing? We've got to deal with this thing. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when, they, when you may be found. When we come with repentance and confession, just like this, the context of the psalm is saying, then the Lord is quick, right? He is faithful and just to forgive our sin. 
He may definitely be found when we come with that kind of a posture. And then what? Surely at that time, the great, uh, surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. And he is a hiding place and preserves us and surrounds us. Again, three. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. He is our protector, our comforter, our shelter. These threes keep coming up because uh, he's showing the completeness of this. And then it it turns just a little bit in verse 8. And I believe we have the the Lord speaking now. As as David has been speaking to the Lord and saying, Blessed is the person who responds to you in this way. And this is how I felt when I was silent about my sin. And so may everybody come to you at a time when you may be found. Now we have God responding in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do you hear the threes again? I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you will go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like a horse or a mule who doesn't have understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay with you. (laughs) It's kind of a funny little... Don't be like a horse that has to be reined up, reined in, or else it won't obey. Be the kind of person that responds when I give you my instruction. Because I'll give you instruction, I'll give you counsel, I'll give you the words that you need to hear, and then walk faithfully in them. Don't don't turn away from those things. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. I want to pause for just a moment. I I did this a couple of weeks ago at the outdoor service, and when I was talking through this sermon with uh, Pastor Tim up at New Life West Lynn, uh, he encouraged me to do this again. But right now, having looked at the contrast between those who confess their sin and those who withhold confessing their sin, are silent about their sin, Can we just take a minute to ask the Lord to expose anything in our hearts and just confess them silently to him? Let's do that right now.
verse 10 says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Again, we have three. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy. This is something that isn't often put together. Confession and joy. Confession and joy. For some reason, we have it in our minds that confessing sin is really painful. We have to feel really, really bad about it. And it should be a really depressing thing every time. I guess I'm going to have to confess. And it just weighs us down and it may be this whole miserable thing of confessing and it's going to be really hard and really awful. But that's not how this psalm starts with how blessed is the one whose iniquity is not counted against them. And it finishes, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. There is celebration and excitement and cheering and rejoicing. There's happiness in confession. Why is that? Because it's gone. There's no reason to be sad and frustrated and disappointed. There was lots of reason for that before you confessed it. You were a miserable sinner then. But now that you have confessed it and God has accepted you and forgiven you for it, now you can rejoice because the debt's been cleared. Everything that was before is gone and we have something completely new. There's no reason to be sad and miserable anymore. That's taken care of. Now we just rejoice. Some of you remember several years ago, there was this show, uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And you would see at the beginning of the show some sad story about some um, family that had this miserable house that was almost always too small and run down and they couldn't keep it up. And, and it was just a really bad scenario that often they were about to lose the house. And then this, this group of people would come in and they would completely redo that. They'd take the family out and they would completely redo the house. Everything would be done. I don't know how they did it. Every time, seven days. In seven days, they completely gutted and rebuilt a house. It looked it was unrecognizable before and afterwards. And they would bring the family home. And those of you who watched that show along with me, you remember they would stand there and there's the bus so that they can't see the house. And they would say, bus driver, move that bus. And the bus would go, and it would drive off and they would see their new house for the first time that looks nothing like what it looked like when they left. And they would go, ah! and they're jumping up and down and they're dancing and they're crying tears of joy because it's completely unrecognizable from what it was before. And then you just watch them as the video cameras are following them along in their face and they don't care because they're looking at this brand new house that they can't believe is theirs. And every time they turn around the corner, they're going, oh, wow, look at this. Have you seen? Oh, Wow. It's so clean. It's so new. It's so amazing. I can't even believe how awesome this is. And then afterwards they'd be like, and we just want you to know that we know it's expensive and so this house is completely paid for. Ah, more tears coming down the face because this is just keeps going and going. 
And we know that it's expensive to maintain a house like this. And so the contractor who built this house for you for free wants to also donate to you so that you can have a maintenance plan for the next 10 years. Ah, more tears. So happy they can hardly stand it. They can hardly believe that this is real life and this is what has happened for you and for me. When we confess our sin to the Lord, we are completely remade. All of the sin is gone. All of the junk is gone. All of the debt is gone. Everything is gone. And so we can just rejoice and go, Yes! I am a new creation in God and I delight in Him because He has loved me even before I was lovable. And so when today we celebrate communion, it's going to be that kind of a celebration. It's going to be a celebrate communion. Not a, oh, really sad, Jesus had to die on the cross. That's true, He did. He did it out of love for you. Not really sad, oh, I had all these sins that Jesus had to take care of. Yes, but He did take care of them and they're not there anymore if you have confessed them to Him. And so this is going to be a celebration of communion. And so if you believe this morning that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, when He died on the cross, that it had significance for you because it took away your sin, then I would encourage you, during the next song as the worship team comes up, would you take, uh, come up, there's a table in the back and one in the front, you can take the bread and the cup back to your seat, and then I'll come up after this song and we will rejoice and celebrate together. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are so great and so awesome. And so often when we think of our sin, it just weighs on us to even consider it. But Lord, you have told us that when we are faithful to confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive it. And so I pray this morning that we would have light, refreshed hearts, that our sins having been confessed would be forgiven and we can celebrate and delight in you and the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.